Darlene Preday is in the house. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I just thought that flashed through on our graphics on the show. And I'm like, you know what? Darlene is here. She is in the house. Let's kick it off that way. And uh, so our uh, show here live streams out every Tuesday at noon, East Coast time. I say East Coast time because we're in that weird space right now where daylight savings time just happened. Do you type EDT or EST? And you confuse people. So I just say East Coast time because like everybody knows what time it is in New York, right? Yeah. And then on the opposite side, I say California time as opposed to PDT or PST. And I sometimes forget what those mean. But uh, we live stream this show noon on Tuesdays, East Coast time on Facebook, on LinkedIn, which I know is Darlene's favorite platform. Might talk yeah. about why that is later. Uh, there's probably a good little lesson there. Um, but, uh, and we also go out on YouTube. So we live stream it every Tuesday at noon. You might be picking this up on audio. That'll happen the following Monday. And that's on every major podcast player. And all that's courtesy of the amazing Chris, AKA Ryan Seacrest Stone at castahead.net does fantastic podcast production. He is the Ryan Seacrest, the podcasting as Ryan Seacrest was to America's American Idol. So. Just thought I'd throw that out there on the show. Darlene gave me that. Thank you, Darlene. I appreciate <laughs> that. A little bit of inside humor for everybody listening. But uh, anyhow. It's the best. Uh, it is, isn't it? I'm going to love this. I'm going to wear this joke out like so bad. But anyway, uh, Darlene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Um, appreciate you very much. So let's jump right in. I, I, I said in our pre-show, I have this question for you, and I think it'll... It's going to give us a lot of runway for our conversation. You know, if somebody has a purpose and a mission and they're really passionate about what they do, and maybe they're connected to what they do because of a personal story in their life, uh, something that happened with a family member, or maybe they're just really into what they do, how is it that they channel that? I guess there's really two questions there for those that are just really into what they do and those that have a real purpose and a mission behind what they sell and offer. So let's go to the first, the first question about people with a mission and a purpose. How do they get that head trash out of their head and connect to the selling function and not be afraid of what people may say or think? Because if it is a mission and a purpose, sometimes that gets a little muddy. It gets a little foggy beyond, around the act of selling and delivering services to help and aid and, uh, help others overcome. So I'll turn that over to you. We'll start there. So what's interesting is I listened to a couple of your shows and somebody was sharing about their why. And I think it's so important to really define that and to understand what your why is. That is the basis of everything. So my why is I love to help people. I love connecting people and I love seeing people succeed. So taking that passion I can translate that into selling because I really don't look at it as selling. I look at it as helping, being a resource, being honest, and watching people, whether I'm selling them a service or coaching them or a product. I mean, my career spans everything. Um, seeing people succeed is so personally gratifying. And that is my why. So I think when entrepreneurs and business owners 
have that passion, understand their why, and are able to share it, it changes the dynamics from sales to just sharing, which is a game changer for that pressure of a sales call. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Um, so we we feel that pressure. It comes in in various ways. Maybe it's our own our own uh, talk inside our own head where we just are like, we understand our why, we understand we do good work, but um, are there some tactical things that you've seen and experienced and share with others where you can help push that down, get rid of it, not go back to it? So I think a lot of the sales perceptions come and and I always preface this is this is the way I sell. There are plenty of people that are successful out there using different tactics with scare tactics and pressure. I'm not saying those don't work. Those never aligned with me, my core values, and how I operate. So I just did what was intuitive to me. What I didn't realize is that is not intuitive to a lot of people um, that maybe don't resonate with that high-pressure sales, but they don't know where to go from there. So as you're saying, they're passionate, they're excited about what they do, but they don't know how to get that across without being salesy or pushy. So what I do is I work with a client to really understand what are their values? What do you, what value are they bringing? And work in a way where they can convey that, what they have to offer and how they can change somebody's life or support them in their business and be able to share that without pushing them to say, this is the only way. Yeah. Yep. I, I think we, uh, I think we're going to get along just fine. I love everything that you're doing and the way you express it. You know, I'll, I'll peel back another layer in the conversation this way. So one of the businesses I co-own is a retail mattress store, right? And it's on the surface, I think for a lot of folks, it's hard to get excited about selling mattresses, right? Now, the business ownership dynamics probably more where I think I can focus it. But listen, at the end of the day, it's all it's all selling. That's all, all we do is you're always selling something along the way, whether it's an advertisement to get somebody to raise their hand as a lead, that's selling. Yeah. There's an exchange happening. Information for time. They read your ad, they watch a video, they opt in. There, there is a transaction that happens there. It's not monetary, at least not up front, but it is a transaction. The thing that I that I often relay to others about the retail mattress store is look, I didn't think I would ever end up owning a business like that. You know, I was on the factory side, the wholesale side, developing programs and sourcing and sometimes building products. And I and I, what I love the most about all of it is the creation of things. I love tinkering. I love trying things. I love creating a very unique and in your, in your submission to get on the show, you talk about empathetic and relational sales. And that really jives me. Like when you, when you say the word tactics, and that's not, I'm not saying that you use tactics and they're bad. It's just to me, that tactic words like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Right. Cause it's just, it just feels like pressure. It feels like we're going to get over on you. And so I really like how 
uh, I think people should be focused today in this day and age, 2023 and beyond, get to a point of affirmation with the person in front of you. That's what we yes. do in our store. Yeah. Because there's I'm, so much information. I've been in retail for many years. I did it throughout high school, college. Yeah. I was, you know, uh, just a salesperson, a manager, you know, everywhere in between. Um, even the retail is transactional. What I say is you can make every single encounter, whether it is with a customer walking in, a potential customer, an Uber driver, it doesn't matter. You can make everything into a relationship, right? By hearing what that person is saying, understanding what their need is, and being able to direct them in the right direction. So... If I walk into a mattress store, I would probably be completely overwhelmed with not having like the information, not really being sure. Having somebody that's not just pushing the most expensive mattress, but actually hearing what I have to say, leading me to the right thing, that is a gift to the client, right? That mm -hmm. is a gift to give them what they need and knowing that they're going to be happy with their purchase. So it's just a mind shift. We could do that in whatever position we have in life is by actively listening, leading them to the right choice or helping them make the right choice and being honest and operating authentically and ethically. You get more. It's, it's not only just the sale. It's so rewarding to be able to create those relationships. Yeah, really, it really truly is. You know, we'll get real tactical right now. I'll share with you uh, our process. I just had this conversation uh, yesterday afternoon, leaving the store. Mondays are my days to be there um, for our podcast show we do there. And uh, and then Thursdays, I work with the sales team more directly. But uh, I, I said to one of, our, one of our team members, I said, you know, our process here is about bookends, how we start and how we finish. What's in between is that subjective human connection because we don't know who's going to come in our door. You know, we, we market to some predictable factors, people looking to invest in better sleep, people who understand sleep is that third stool of health and wellness, people who are looking to somebody with an educational and a knowledge base to share in this process of the purchase. But I said, our bookends have to start the way that we know works. And that way we start is tell me why you're here. And then are you open to a conversation about how our solutions fit your needs? That's all we want to understand first. And then from there, that's where we get into that little more subjective approach where we're really listening to the person in front of us. So tactically, I'll ask you to grade grade what I just shared and be harsh, um, and and or or maybe there, maybe you see good in that. But it's for us, it's worked, and um, I think from a tactical level, it's something we could dig into for the listeners. I you know I think that that is a great approach. Um, I know a lot of people do not operate that way or share to this their salespeople to be able to have that that comfort that if you really don't have what that person needs to make a referral or whatever that whatever that may be because you're building credibility the first exchange is trust 
Customers, I am sure, coming into your store, highly educated. We have the internet now. They can go and research every mattress. They know the ratings. You know, they probably know more than the manufacturers at some points. So who are they going to buy for? If they're coming in with some specific ideas, I love how you said solutions, right? Share what your solutions are. If it's not in alignment, if somebody is bent on something that they want, that's fine. But approaching it with not like, this is horrible, this is the best, is going to let them be more open as opposed to closing off and saying like, I don't know, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like how you uh, heard, or I'm sorry, shared back about how information is at the fingertips of all of our prospects. Um, and if you picked up on it, you know, our, our primary job is to affirm that what we have is the right choice. We really don't need to educate specs and features. Customers know that they have that, or some just don't really care. Mm-hmm. It's like, just, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, I'm going to throw out the other one, the Tommy boy analogy. We had a little Tommy boy reference in our pre-show, right? You know, you can, you can have, you can ask the butcher for a steak or you can, look up the rear end of a bowl, right? That's the Tommy boy reference. Some of our customers don't care. They just like, I want to wake up and feel good. Yeah. It's that point of affirmation that I think matters so much. So can you share maybe a couple examples of clients that you've worked, maybe worked with, or maybe yourself where they're really focused in their process on just helping people get to that point of affirmation. Yes, we are the right fit for your needs. How are they working that into their processes and, with what they're doing with their customers today? So part of my coaching is I work with the client to create a discovery form that they can work through on the sales call. So it's not really a sales call. It's discovering. You know you have a great service, but your service is not for everybody. Every mattress you have is not for everybody. When people go into a conversation thinking, this is the best, this is the only way, Again, it closes that person off because people can feel your energy. I mean, they understand if you are just being self-serving. So I do the same with my clients. I have a discovery call with them to see if I can help them. If I can't, I have an incredible network of people that I can refer them to. But if I feel... Because I want to make sure that the people that I'm helping are really going to succeed with my service and that I can really bring value to them. I can bring value to a lot of people, but I can't bring it to everybody. So it starts with the discovery, understanding, asking the right questions, asking open-ended questions, because let's face it, a lot of clients, maybe not in your position, they're going in for a mattress, but a lot of people that call me, they don't even know. They need a marketing guy. They don't even, they think they need sales. They have no mm. idea. So really having that brainstorming session to discover what is their need and putting, you know, a label on it is so valuable. So that's what I teach my clients is asking the right questions, having that discovery call where you're sharing what you can do. They're sharing what they need. And then you're seeing if, they're a fit for you and you're a fit for them. So it's not really just selling. Um, and then, of course, giving them enough information 
that they can really be bought in to the process because you want someone to know exactly how you can help them, what the options are, what the expectations are. I like to undersell and overdeliver all the time, right? That just, to promise them the world or to give them false hope is not only not really, it's not ethical, but it's also, it's going to destroy your business, your reputation. So, um, So if I could leave my clients over the moon at what I delivered to them, that builds more traction and momentum. Sure. You touched on something about the 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 battle, the duality, the dichotomy of sales and marketing, right? Where you said maybe you don't have a sales problem, maybe you more have a marketing problem. So let's kind of dig into that a little bit. Uh, from your view, what what are some of those instances where people have, you know, you're doing really great marketing, but your sales process is rough, therefore no sales, or you know, you've got some great people on your team, on your phones, on your floor, but they're just starving. They, there's no marketing engine. Um, can you share a little bit there and, and kind of how you view uh, those two things? Because a lot of people, as you alluded to, when you get on a discovery call, and it's like, well, wait, you don't have a sales problem. You have a marketing problem. Yeah. A lot of people just, they conflate and put it in this big ball and nothing's defined, nothing makes sense, and they struggle. Let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, so it's so I see two things. Either, like, as you mentioned, nothing's defined and it's all, like, convoluted, or it's so siloed that it doesn't make sense. Um, so sales and marketing, whether you like it or not, have to go hand in hand. If you're not marketing what you can deliver, if you're not selling what you're marketing back and forth, it really doesn't, you know, it's it's not beneficial for growth. Um, for me, I work with a lot of small businesses or solopreneurs. So it's usually them doing the sales and marketing all together. They're doing everything. When I see, when I go to a website and I'm five pages in to even understand what that person is doing, they have a marketing problem. They don't have clarity. Um, you can have the best sales pitch or conversations, discovery forms, follow-up. But if somebody's going to your website and really doesn't understand what you do, that point blank, that has to be where you start. Websites now are like, they're like a business card of the 80s, right? Like you have Mm -hmm. to have it. You have to be clear. We have no attention span. Within three seconds, you have to see like, what does this person offer? And that's it to even get them interested to move forward. So that's why I say like, sometimes I can see if they don't have a social media presence, if they don't have branding, I can give them a business assessment and tell them what they need to work on and connect them with people. I don't do all of that. I can, but I don't even want to touch it. When they have that set, then maybe they want to come back to me or maybe their problem is fixed. But either way, I build that trust. Yeah. Yeah. Very good points about being clear. Uh, I love the website analogy, getting five pages in. What what exactly does this company do? I just reviewed a site um, yesterday and I, because it was brought to my attention and 
asked to review it. And I said, even kind of having some pre-knowledge of what I might expect to see when I got here, I was still very confused, <laughs> very confused. I'm like, wait a minute, this company says they do this, but I see it nowhere around. And actually what's being presented is confusing me if I'm even in the right place for what I came here for at all. You know, it just didn't make, just didn't make any sense to me. So yeah, that clarity is very, uh, very important to have in the marketing messages. You know, Dan Kennedy is one of my mentors and friends, and uh, I believe his quote is something to the effect of, there's no sales problem that great marketing can't fix. Um, because you have, when you have tremendous lead flow, you can convert those sales. Uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I don't know who that is that you're quoting. So I'm sorry if I'm stepping on anybody's toes, but you know, no. I, I think it's just like saying, like, if you have a great salesperson, you don't need marketing. I mean, it's hand in hand. You have yeah. to be able, like, yes, I've worked for companies where the leads were just enormous and it's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? Like there's just, you know, that that's a great problem to have. But you have to think about it. How if I was a bad salesperson, yes, I'm gonna get a percentage of that just because of the enormous amount of leads, but how many am I losing? And how right. am I representing the company? Um, I just had this discussion with um actually it's another person in in retail. And when you are a good salesperson, you make it look easy. Mm-hmm. The biggest mistake companies make is by hiring people that are not in alignment with who they are or how they want to put their brand out there. And they're just, you know, they're hiring and they figure, okay, well, I got a lot of leads, so anybody can do it. You could destroy your brand and your business, even if you're getting people in. Because that's your first point of contact you are not just selling a product or a service. You're selling an experience from start to finish. So if you're not painting that picture in the right way, again, under-promising, over-delivering, you could literally just have unhappy clients on the other end of it. Right, right. Uh, That alignment word that you used when you're putting together your sales teams... You know, if you're that solopreneur, entrepreneur, you know, looking to bring on that first person or a team, uh, or you're looking to expand your team, you're looking to fill a role. What does that word alignment mean for you? And how do people really dig into that? What are the, what are some things they should think about, uh, when they hire somebody to be properly aligned with their company, their message, who they are, what the mission is? So I always like with a solopreneur, when they start to grow, a lot of people are like, I need to hire a salesperson when they are really the best person to sell their service in the beginning. Um, and I do think there's a benefit to selling your service because then you understand what people are typically asking, what points you need to navigate, what are typical objections before, you know, I like to know things before I'm hiring somebody to do it, even if I know it on a higher, you know, a high level. When you start to look for a salesperson, 
Or a salesperson looks for a job. Like, you know, if I, if I'm looking to work for a company, I want to make sure what are their core values? What are their value adds? Why is this person or this, you know, this product or service, um, a good choice? It doesn't have to be the latest, the greatest, the biggest or whatever it is. What are your, what are your value points that can be conveyed and are they really delivering the right service or product to that client? So making sure somebody is not going to just oversell your product or service, making sure they understand what's important to you, what's your why, what is the end goal of this? Um, work smarter, not harder. Some people don't need a hundred clients. Some people want to have it contained with a certain amount of clients. So this way they can grow gradually. So that's what I mean to be in alignment with their goals and what the owner and the visionary has in mind for that. It looks very different for each person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to bring it to my own personal experience, you know, in the, in the retail business, my peers and, and suppliers in the industry would love for us to grow beyond a one store footprint. Mm -hmm. Now, the reality is we're doing the business of what three or four good stores by industry average numbers would say we're doing that business, okay? Uh, but we're not important to any one vendor because we curate the best of the best. We're not beholden to a big vendor. Uh, I've done the math that actually, it, it just on paper, we are leaving a quarter million dollars of pure profit on the table from rebates and co-op and... and uh, end of year bonus, things like that with, if we were just narrowed down to one or two vendors, mm -hmm. but then we wouldn't be the company we are. So yeah. it works out on paper, but not in the real world. And that choice, let's talk about this a little bit, that choice of being a business owner. When you say, you know, what is the, what is it that is the vision for this company that the business owner has? What is that vision and what, do you allow externally to come in and direct it, squash it, or lift it up and further it? What have you seen there? And what would you share with people to, to focus on there? I think, it's, I think it's difficult to be an owner, to be an entrepreneur. There's so much noise, right? There's so many clamoring opinions and, and there's <laughs> that are out there, you know, they are making, you know, eight figures the first year and all of that type of stuff. And I think what's important for me is I stay centered on what is my mission. Everybody has a different mission. Stick to the mission. Stick to the mission. Um, what do you want to do and how do you want to grow? And while it's exciting to have fast growth and success, and, and that's great, there's also, it's a double-edged sword. So without the right team, without the right business acumen, because let's face it, I mean, and I'm not saying this against entrepreneurs, I have, I have blind spots, I have gaps within my own company, um, because you can't know it all. So having the right people within your network, within your group that are going to speak the truth is so important. 
also hiring the right consultants. Let's face it, there's a million consultants out there. Mm-hmm. So if you have a consultant telling you, you're crazy, Jeff, you need to open up five stores and you're leaving this money on the table or whatever, and they persuade you to go against what your instincts are and what your vision is, that's not going to, typically it's not going to end well, right? You want right. to take, right. you want to take wise advice and but ultimately you have to stay i'm going to i'm going to make my own mistakes and if i if i don't take somebody's advice and i'm wrong at least i'm staying true to who i am yeah yeah when you said clamor i think it was clamoring opinions i kind of had to giggle a little bit because that's so right um i often say those opinions are like the loudest voices coming from the cheapest seats in your life yes. if they don't you know, what, what's their buy-in? What has been their investment to give their opinion? Um, and, and by that, I mean, so again, if, we, if I look through like the retail business, um, you know, if a vendor is saying I need to do this or that, who is that serving first? The, the answer is to me is how does this serve our customer first? Then how does it serve our team? Then how does it serve our business? You know, and that's the order always because it's got to be that. If I don't have great customers that are happy, served by my team that's happy, it's not going to work out for the business. And, And, you know, by keeping, keeping your options open with multiple vendors to bring your clients the best of the best and not be holding to one vendor is smart, in my opinion, because we've seen Mm -hmm. big companies topple. We're we're old enough to have seen like, oh, they would never be out of business. And then, you know, millennials don't even know what they are, you know? So it's important to, to be strategic and whatever that means for you. And I'm not saying sometimes if one vendor is part of your strategy, then that's part of your strategy. But you have to you have to live and know what is working for your business and your company. And the bottom line is there is not one way to do business in anything. And if somebody tells you right. this is the only way, I run for the hills. I'm a little bit of a rebel. If I hear somebody tell me you have to do it this way, like I'm out to prove you wrong. I'm out to find a loophole. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a very good point about folks that say, you know, there is this, this is the way. This is the way for success. Well, no, there's many ways around for success. I mean, again, looking in my retail industry, there's the direct-to-consumer online method now that's been popularized the last 10 years. There's the, And then all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum, there's the folks that put the little bandit signs up in your neighborhood, staple them to telephone poles, you know, new mattress in a bag, 150 bucks or whatever it is. So there's, there's that spectrum of connection. There's the walk into a physical environment connection. And then there's big box store, department store, club store, uh, large chain store, independent big superstore, small, like there's just all these different ways. And we've always focused on what we feel is our way to deliver on our purpose. And that's help our clients wake up happy with less pain in the morning so they have a more productive, enjoyable day. That's our purpose. Our mission supports that purpose by saying, look, we want to change the way you feel about this process, change the way you feel about mattress stores, 
because it's not a good reputation. You know, and then we got a list of values that support that mission. And that's how we look at it. Purpose supported by mission held up with values. Do you want to add anything to that purpose, mission, values conversation? How it I think dovetails that, into sales? Yeah, I think it's, it, it is so important as you were speaking and um, saying that, you know, the mattress industry doesn't have a good reputation. I have a dear friend. He owns a used car lot, right? Talk about mm-hmm. a bad rap. And it's funny because every podcast I'm on, they're like, oh, you don't want to be a used car salesman. And I always feel bad because I'm like, he's doing it the right way. He truly cares about his clients. He's getting them in the best car. He's helping single moms. He's helping people that are going through cancer treatments and and need a reliable car. So it's tremendous. I think exactly what you are saying, you can operate authentically ethically and and really help people without having to fit in that mold of just selling. The sales will come. Your reputation will be built. People will appreciate that. It's like a breath of fresh air to walk into any type of store and have somebody really care about you. I'm sure you have people that are suffering with illnesses and different things like that. And getting a good night's sleep is critical to their health. So, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that in the end of the day, you truly solve somebody's issue and took one little pain point away from their life has got to be very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's. I think sales is one of those games. I think it's actually not one of those games, one of those businesses where to me, it's the most honest profession out there when you do it right. As when in your used car right. friend. <laughs> you know, your used car friend. By the way, what's the name of, do, do you know the name of his? Both uh, Motors in Wilmington and Bill Sabino, and he's amazing. And that's Wilmington? Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay, very good. Because there's a Wilmington, Delaware, and I know there's oh, other Wilmington. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, Coast Motors, Wilmington, North Carolina, and... He's just, he's amazing. And it is so nice to hear those stories about the connections that he made. And he's been in the business forever. Nobody told, especially in that business, nobody taught him how to sell like that. That was something that was inside of him. But I think, I think a lot of people second guess what's intuitive when they want to operate authentically. It's not flashy enough. It's not big enough. They don't have sales goals. What's the conversion rate? You can get crazy in sales, but if you just block out the noise and just share your value, it, it multiplies. And, and I know, I know it sounds oversimplified, but I have lived it and I have conversations and I have amazing people that I will never do business with directly that have sent me tons of referrals. They have kept in touch with me. They know I care. They're sending me pictures of their daughter graduating or a new baby that comes into their life because they understand that I really do care about them. Love that. Yeah. I mean, that's the mark of, you know, I I often litmus test myself on on things like that. Um, You know, who is reaching out? It's an honest question to ask yourself. Like, that's the measure of impact. Who is reaching out to me out of the blue with moments of happiness? Hey, my kid graduated. Remember when we first met? They were this little. 
you know, and now they're graduating high school and they just graduated college or, you know, hey, you know, you said this one thing one time about my kid and I passed it along and now they're a doctor, right? Like that's a tremendous litmus test. And, and are your customers even coming back to you? Uh, like we'll often have customers bring in, especially around the holidays now, cookies and pies. Like when is the last time that happened? I think that's a great litmus test to see are you letting that authentic connection that you have shine through in in your business and in your sales? Um, you spurred one thought that I had about the conventional norms. So your friend that was Bill, was it? Yes. At, at Coast Motors? Yeah. So Bill's obviously outside the norms of the industry. You can't take it in the pants for a woman who's claiming to have cancer. Everybody would say they have cancer if you heard, if, if the, your customer base got wind that you helped that person out that way, Right. That's the kind of industry talk that happens. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask it this way. So we're, I've, I've often said uh, over the years, we're like the anti-mattress store. It's more not what you expect. You can take off the armor. It's funny. What we have, we, we are, our sales desk kind of sits around the corner. So we have video, we have video cameras for a number of reasons. But one is we can look at the parking lot, see who's coming in, see when they're coming in. If they need a little bit of help, um, we're there to greet them at the door, open the door, hold it, help them get up the ramp because we have a little inclined ramp. Um, so it's not to like pounds. It's like, if you need help, we're here to help you. Uh, um, so we see people in the parking lot and this happens often. They pull in and they'll park and they'll sit for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And you can kind of see sometimes depending on the day and the, the sun, you can kind of see like the, the physical body language happening. And we've, and we've said there, there, they're strapping on the armor. Mm -hmm. Right. So how, so I guess the long windedly, and I'm sorry uh, for that. The question is, how is it that businesses showcase their way against the conventional norms, the expectations of what their customers have come to think about their business? You know, Bill is overcoming the negativity of being a used car salesperson. We overcome. Oh, here it is. I got to I gotta wheel a deal on this mattress. I got to get at least 70% off or I got a bad deal. We just don't do anything like that. What's, what is Darlene's suggestions to overcome those, those preconceived notions, those expectations of experience that aren't great when you do have nothing but greatness to offer? I think by just... You know, I, I understand the 70% off, like people want a deal. Everybody wants a deal. And just to have things inflated to get a discount is ridiculous because that's the bottom line of what people are doing, right? Yeah. Um, so again, I think if you share what your value is, they're going to sense they're if somebody walks into your store and somebody approaches them. Like you said, you don't want somebody to just walk in and not feel greeted or anything, but not being pounced on. They will right. sense that somebody cares and and just having that conversation. I'm sure you've been in stores where three minutes into the conversation, you know this person is just full of it and you don't want to deal with it. Right. I remember I was eight months pregnant and I needed a new car. And we went to this Jeep dealership that was like no haggle, right? This is, you know, 25 years ago. 
um, no haggle, whatever it may be. So we sat, me and my husband sat down and the price was ridiculous. And I'm like, mm, no, that's not. And he goes, well, what are you looking to do? Like, what, you know, what can you do? And I looked at him and I said, you're no haggle. So I don't want to waste your time. And I left because I'm kind of like that, right? Being in sales, like, just don't, don't. Wow. Yeah. Instant, instantly threw the credibility out the window. The trust was gone because either Mm -hmm. you're no haggle or you can make a deal. It can't be both. Um, So I'm sure there's people that are like, oh, they're no haggle, but they're going to give me a special discount. But like, you know, I've been in sales. So I'm like, I'm just not buying into it. Um, So I think, again, how are you going to operate? Are you going to give every client the best value? Or are you going to make them jump through hoops to try to get a discount? Um, I also, I'm the director of business development for a virtual assistant company. Our prices are our prices. And I have some clients say, can you do any better? And I'm like, listen, there's good and bad. The good news is we're not going to ding the little guy to try to get a bigger customer. Everybody gets the same treatment. Everybody, mm-hmm. this is these are the prices. This is how we operate, you know, whatever that may be. So it's just upfront and it's not for yep. everybody, and that's okay. But yep. at least they feel like I'm a straight shooter. Yeah. I've often there's a lot, lot to maybe dig in there as we look to wrap up our time together. You know, uh, I've, I'm removed from selling in our business. I'm actually probably the worst salesperson in our business right now because I just don't do it as often as I used to. Um, and I haven't for a number of years. But I still work with our team and I get their feedback and I you know, I have conversations with folks like you on a weekly basis. So I'm constantly getting new inputs. I'm constantly feeding them new inputs into their day, ways to think about how they work with our clients and our customers. And you know, when I was on the floor, I would often tell people, you know, can't you do any better? I say, you know, I really can't because I don't know what I need to take away from our experience to meet you at that price. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how to value the fact that our delivery team is our employees on our truck. And when we give you a two hour window, we're not going to cable company you and make you wait all day. In mm-hmm. fact, we're probably going to be at the front of that window. And if we're not, we're going to call you. So I don't know what that value is, but it exists. I know I know how much point. the lead, I know how much the truck costs each week. I know what the payroll is each week for the two guys on the truck. I can express it that way. But I don't know that that matters to you. Because even if it was a number that's 10 times that number, if we're late and we frustrate your day and make you miss a key appointment, like you miss your kid's recital because you had to wait for a delivery, what's that value? Yeah. And and so I often answer the questions that way. You know, we we came up with you know the the 70% off thing, mark things up to mark things down. I said a long time ago, the 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 dialogue would be, you know, we're not that smart, we're not good enough liars to constantly make up new price tags and waste paper and ink and mark things up and mark things down and get into that whole the conversation about how it really isn't a real discount. Because the reality is the customer wants to scratch that itch of feeling like they got a deal. And that's a very fair, valid thing, right? So we came up with double deals. Discounts you pick for your situation, maximize your savings. Everything has a discount applied to it. Here's the cool part of that. I get to crack, if I wanted to, 
I could crack the books open for 10 customers on the same item and everybody would probably be within 25 to maybe 50 bucks. Yeah. It's very close. And to me, that's an integrity move. Absolutely. And I think there's different buying styles. There are people that will not buy anything unless they feel like they're getting a discount. Or um, me, I will buy another $100 worth of product not to pay $5 in shipping. That's just... That's just. I just did that. I just did that. Well, you know, you have to know your buyer and that there are different buying styles. But also, I love how you put it. You have a little wiggle room, but you're still staying with the integrity and making sure that every person on that sales floor is going to give the client a great experience, whether they're turn into a customer or not is going to build your brand, your reputation, and ultimately your bottom line. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I, you, you said that you said the B word brand, you know, and I think you know, this is a great little spot to wrap up. I think the mistake since you serve in smaller in some smaller independent owners, you've worked with big folks as well. Um, but even even these folks, I'm sure that you work with, unless it's the likes of like Coca Cola and you know American Airlines and the, the Fortune 100. So many small businesses uh, do things like the Fortune 100, you know, and that's to me that's a mistake. I think you build you build your brand one customer at a time, one integral move at a time. You make a mistake, you own it, even if it's really expensive. You know, yes, try. yes. And I and, think by building, and that's how the brand gets built. Yeah. And I think I love small businesses. I love entrepreneurs. The agility of a small business to recognize something isn't working and pivot quickly is that is their superpower. So who wants to be like this big corporation that has layers and layers and layers and cannot change? Listen, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You try things, you you don't, I hate to say fail, you learn, right? And then you can make your offerings better or you can make it right. And if something doesn't work with the client, you have that that flexibility to just jump in and rectify it versus... It is what it is. So I so I think like I think owning that flexibility, that integrity that you can make your business, regardless of what it is, how you want it, and what resonates with you, you will attract the right customers that that core value is going to show through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Completely agree with that. Um Always doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. Love that. Yes. Love it. Darlene, I've had a blast with you today on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, so you do a handful of things. Amazing uh, producer here, Chris, from Cast Ahead. I, again, as much as I jo- like to joke with him, and, you know, yes, he is uh, the Ryan Seacrest of podcasting. Um, he does a great job. And... Uh, um, he's been flashing uh, on the screen and has had in your show notes as we go live with our links how to get a hold of you. But in case somebody is listening to this on the go, uh, has a YouTube up maybe, or 
uh, multitasking or listening to audio, how do people get in touch with you, throw out your websites and some contact information, the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. So if they go to my website, dp-consults.com, there is, there's buttons everywhere um, to book a call with me. And again, it is truly not going to be uh, a sales pitch. Uh, I'd love to share what I do, how I can help. And as I mentioned before, I have an incredible network. If I'm not the right person, I can connect you with someone. Um, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Darlene Perday, and um, I'd love to have more connections. Yeah, very good. Real quick, we, uh, before we end, I said we we're going to end. We're going to pause and and then and then end momentarily. Um, you know, we live stream YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and you said in our pre-show that LinkedIn is your main thing. Why yeah. is that? So my consulting business, I deal with a lot of consultants, a lot of coaches. And yes, for me, I'm like also ADHD. So I, I can't, I, I have Facebook. I have, I can't be on a lot of different things because then I just get distracted. So I focus and I also am the director of business um, development for Peachtree VA. So I have to have one platform Yep. And just make it simple where I can put out value as much as possible and have people know where to go to get it. So so yep. LinkedIn is kind of my playground because of the nature of both of the businesses with entrepreneurs. I just find connecting with them is just easier. Yeah, smart. And, and really, you're practicing what you preach of tuning out the noise going on the path that makes sense for you. And that's kind of what I figured the answer was. It's kind of an easy uh, layup type question. But, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask and have you get it out because I think for business owners, you know, there was a moment a few months back about threads. Everybody had to get on threads, you know, which is Instagram's version of, yes, I guess what's called X today, uh, or used to be called Twitter, you know, and you saw this mass exodus and, and this, this, these statements of threads will be the thing. What in, in this day and age, how could anybody say that? We have to see, we have to see what the use case is for at least a year with this stuff, in my opinion, until you can say it's the thing. So the I'm point lazy. being I'd like for yeah. other people to learn it, whatever, you know, and then I'm like a high level cliff notes girl. I'm not gonna yeah. follow directions, I'm not gonna understand the platform from beginning to end. I want somebody to have success and then tell me about it. So that's just with it. That's just with everything. Um, like even like the AI that we were talking about earlier and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I think it, all of these things are great, but there's always the latest and the greatest. And you can really waste a lot of time jumping at that type of stuff. Um, so yeah. I just, I have incredible friends that, you know, they play around with it and they just let me know. Let me know if I need to be on it. And there's that network effect again. 1000%. Um, yeah. I ha am incredibly blessed by the amazing people in my network that I can call my friend and they truly are looking out for me. Love it. Love it. Lesson in knowing who you are, who you serve, where you should be looking to connect with them. That's why you're on LinkedIn. That's why you're so great at what you do. I hope people check you out at dp-consults.com, um, LinkedIn, Darlene Perday, and um, 
do book that discovery call. If not for anything, you get to be introduced, introduce yourself into Darlene's world, and maybe with enough deposits into her world, you can be a part of that amazing network. Um, and I'm sure if you become a client, you'll be able to tap into that, that network. And so, Darlene, thank you for all you're doing, the way you're doing it, and how you're doing it. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jeff. And shout out to Chris. I have to say, when I see his name as the producer, it gives me relief because I know it's going to be a fantastic show. That is correct. I can. I am over 225. I think actually with this one, that's the exact number, 225 episodes in with Chris at the helm. And uh, like Jesus, take the wheel. Chris <laughs> on at the podcast buttons. <laughs> You've got you've got your friend on your side. So Absolutely. Uh, Darlene, thank you so much. DP-consults.com and on LinkedIn at Darlene Perday. Darlene, thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today, where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors, that holds you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.